most important stop of the day returns. This is the money stop, and with Paul Cusimano, I'm Stephen Cusimano. Or are we? Because I don't know if we we don't know anything anymore. Because we thought we knew our winners at Pocono last week. We thought Denny Hamlin had taken the checkered flag and broken the record for most wins at Pocono. But both he and his teammate, who finished second, Kyle Busch, were both disqualified. And so instead, Chase Elliott wins his fourth race of the season, five straight top two finishes. Unbelievable what that team is doing. Lots that happen in this race and lots to take away from it. But Cole, first things first, uh, let's just start with Chase Elliott because what this guy is doing, he's just impressing me in ways I didn't think I could be impressed. I mean, it was impressive to begin with, the consistency he was putting together. And we kept saying the floodgates would be open when he finally won that first race. And sure enough, floodgates are open. Even when he's not winning, he's finishing second. It's going to be so hard to beat this guy in the championship this year. Without a doubt. He's having a Larson-esque run compared to last year. I think I could even argue the fact maybe even a little bit better. I mean, of course, Larson has Cliff Daniels at the helm, which is a big shot in the arm for that team. But Alan Gustafson is just as good. Very respected guy in the garage area. And the most telling thing for me with Chase Elliott in this season is the fact of his performance these past two weeks. Loudon and Pocono two tracks where he notoriously did not perform well at. He finished runner-up at Loudoun with a shot at the win, and he finished, you could say he got the win at Pocono, but he finished third overall. And I think that's really telling about how good this team's been, how they've been able to adapt. And one thing I also kind of was reminded of during the Pocono race because they didn't really execute on the money stop was Chase Elliott's pit crew. Beginning of the year, they were costing him so many races. They rounded into form. And they're, they're finally contributing to, to giving this, this race team a winning rapport. And, I mean, this was a, a little blip in the radar, obviously, because they finished third and ended up winning. But just the team as a whole has really found their groove. And I think, it's, like you said, it's going to be really, really hard to top Chase Elliott going into the playoffs and in the playoffs. Because, I mean, we have Indy coming up this week. We have Watkins Glen coming up. And he's the road course king, as we know. So Chase Elliott looks unstoppable at this point in time. I like the Kyle Larson comparison because he's setting the world on fire in just such a different way because Larson was dominating the races, leading the laps. What this nine team is doing is just putting the result on, putting a full race together. They're not dominating, and you're not going to see any cars really dominate over a long period of time in this next-gen car. But what this team is doing is unprecedented to win that many races and finish second five races in a row, uh, top two finishes. It's been really impressive, and like you said, the most telling thing easily is that he's doing it at tracks that typically have been a thorn in his side. I'm glad you brought the playoffs too because the playoff points are going to continue to roll. You don't even really think about it so much right now because there's still a few spots up for grabs, but playoff points are going to keep coming, and Chase is going to be really hard to bounce in the playoffs. But there were some other storylines in this race, Cole. I think most notably, Ty Gibbs making his Cup Series debut, coming out of nowhere, Kurt Busch, not cleared to race. Uh, and he, actually, Ty Gibbs is going to race this weekend at Indy as well. What was your opinion of Ty Gibbs? And matter of fact, Cole, before we get there, let's just back up for a minute. This was your first time at Pocono Raceway. What did you think of the track? And then tell me about what did you think of Ty Gibbs's debut, which you were in attendance for? I got to tell you, Pocono is a phenomenal facility. I was actually taken back by how incredible of a facility it was and how much the fans embraced the atmosphere of NASCAR. Like. We went to Talladega once before. We didn't really have the whole infield experience. To get into the track at Pocono and park where the media parking is, you literally go through the campgrounds, in and out of the track. The way that's set up is unbelievable. They, Like I said, they really embraced the weekend. 
the, the tailgate experience looked to me second to none, maybe next to Talladega, but the media center was, was flawless. It was just clean. It was, it felt brand new. The staff on hand from the security to the track staff itself were just top notch first class individuals. I had nothing but good things to say about them, the facility accessibility there was also really good. I mean, you had the media center and then literally right next door, like maybe 10 feet was the, the medical center. So when, when you had like Santino Ferrucci and all these guys get in these accidents, they were right next door to the media center where you could have access to them. All three garages were also right next door to the media center. So it was just, I was so surprised. I'm a huge fan of that racetrack. And honestly, the racing as a whole was great. It was great last year as well. And this is a track where I would love to see them bring back a second race. I don't think they should have ever gotten rid of it. Having experienced it firsthand, like I said, this is just a, a community that really embraces the sport. And it, it belongs, there needs to be two races there from here going, here on out. It's, it's imperative. And it's so funny to think too, like just hearing what you had to say about that. And we're big tailgaters at these races. I mean, you and I, we grew up camping out at Phoenix Raceway. And it sounds like an atmosphere I'd love to be a part of. And it just makes you think that double header the last couple of years must have been so fun at this track for the people there getting to watch a race on Saturday and Sunday had to be phenomenal. But Ty Gibbs, I mean, the guy finishes top 20 in his Cup Series debut. Very impressive stuff coming up out of nowhere. Um, and just wanted to get your overall opinions on what we saw him do this week, stepping in, race that 45 car and, and just did it like a pro. And you would never know he was a rookie in his first career race. He ran an exceptional race. He had literally zero experience in this car the entire weekend. He was in the simulator at 1 a.m., I think it was, getting his reps in there. And he finished 18th unofficially, 16th officially, which in your cup debut as a rookie in the Xfinity Series and no experience with this car, with this competition, it's unbelievable. And even, even more surprising outside of that was the fact he had no hit road penalties, no hiccups on the track. He just ran a very smooth, sound race. And it's like, I want to say he's cup ready. And, and I think all signs point to that with him getting the second start this weekend at Indy. But like, it, it, part of me is like, I want to see him develop one more year in, in the Xfinity series. But at the same time, I think he's proven like he's ready for cup competition. And with all the rumors going on with Kyle Busch, I think that it, that may have sealed his fate in terms of next year in 2023. He's as ready as any teenager I've ever seen. It's unbelievable to think that he's even a rookie in the Xfinity series. And I think as much you'd like to see him develop down there another year, and as much as he would benefit from that genuinely, I really think you're holding him back when you're, you look at the, the ability to run a race clean in the Cup Series is such an undervalued thing, especially as a rookie. For him to do that and, like you said, make no mistakes whatsoever, in his first race, it says a lot about him. Um, so it's really exciting. And you probably expect him, like you said, Cole, to be somewhere in that Joe Gibbs pipeline, which leads us into a good segue of how we got here. Uh, the disqualifications of Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch. And we have seen some disqualification penalties and, and L1 penalties and stuff over the past couple of years. But this seems like the biggest one because it disqualified not just one, but the top two drivers from the same team. Neither of them appealed it. They both owned up to it, which I thought was a very accountable thing to do. And I, I think that gives you a lot of respect for that Joe Gibbs racing organization. But from your perspective, I have to know, being there, as these disqualifications were handed down, what was that like? When did you first catch wind? Uh, when did 
you know that something might have been up uh, when the announcement was made. Did you get a chance to talk to anybody who might have known this beforehand? Because this had to have been something that you may never experience again. It was so bizarre. So this had to have happened about 8.30 in the media center. I was actually getting ready to head out like minutes before this happened. And then they made the announcement and literally everybody in the media center, their jaws dropped. We all looked around. We were just like, what is going on? But it was, it was such a weird, like kind of cool feeling just having that experience with everybody there. Man, that was the first DNF for the, the winner in since 1960. I think the first time ever the top two cars have been disqualified. And it's just a, a shame for JGR, man. Like Denny was on his way to his third win. Kyle Busch had the stage win. And now Kyle Busch goes from sixth to eighth in the standings. Denny Hamlin, he's not in the, in the, the top 16 for the point standings. So it was a big deal because now Kyle Busch is looking at one less playoff point. Um, he's looking at, I think, actually four or five less playoff points because of his seating where he is currently. So it is a big deal. And also, <laughs> under the radar, Ross Chastain, who Denny Hamlin pinched into the wall, he crashed out of this race, but he ends up with that playoff point that Kyle Busch had to give up because he lost that stage. So this was a very bizarre day. And it was like, I was thinking this too with the track. This had to have been the most demanding weekend I've ever worked covering NASCAR the last four years because there were so many storylines. It was also really hot and humid the entire weekend, but just, oh, what a weekend, man. I I had a great time. It was a a very fun, fun weekend. And I just, I feel really bad for Jogi's Racing because like they needed that win. They needed that big day, especially another under the radar thing. Kyle Busch, he needed a good run. To maybe lock down another campaign in this 18 car. Who knows what this does for him and his chances at JGR. That's a really tough pill to swallow. You thought that one guy had won and you had the top two podium positions and then you get nothing out of it. And it's it's a shame for them, but I guess, you know, again, they owned up to it and they'll they'll learn from their mistakes. Before we get off the topic of Hamlin and Bush, I did want to bring up one thing in reference to DFS and betting because our good friend Rodney Sears actually brought this up to me on Twitter. And as it pertains to like the race winner, top five, top 10 bets for cars that are disqualified. And it looks like if you bet Chase Elliott or Denny Hamlin to win the race, you got your earnings uh, because it goes based off the unofficial results for certain sports books. So basically, if you bet Denny Hamlin or Chase Elliott to win this race, you got your earnings regardless. And also the subsequent reshuffling, like Suarez finishing top three, Larson finishing top five, you get those as well. But it, it does go based off what the sports books say in the fine print. But it, what I found is that most of them go based off the unofficial result. Um, and they'll also reward the, the new winner officially. So interesting little tidbit there. Thank you, Rodney, for bringing that up as it pertains to betting and DFS. So That is definitely something to keep an eye on because I'm sure, you know, every sports book might do it a little bit differently. Some sports books might do it out by the official results. Some might do it by the unofficial results. So it might choose you might choose wisely as to where you're actually placing your racing bets so something to keep an eye on with the fine print there looking at the top 10 from this race though chase elliott we're looking at the official results here chase elliott the winner tyler reddick finished second like you mentioned daniel suarez with a top three that team just continues to impress christopher bell fourth kyle larson rounded out the top five michael mcdowell with a huge sixth place finish martin Truex jr was not disqualified he ended up finishing seventh bubba wallace eighth eric jones ninth and Austin Dillon 10th, so per usual this season, Cole, lots of really good performances throughout the top 10, but the name that really sticks out is Michael McDowell finishing 6th there. 
Yes. Uh, he adds to his top 10 career year at eight on the season now, but some more big news from the pipeline that came out, I believe it was yesterday. Michael McDowell docked 100 points, and uh, Blake Harris will be suspended four races for the same penalty that Brad Kozlowski got earlier in the year, uh, modifying the next-gen car body parts. So this is a big – I mean, it's a big deal because he's losing Blake Harris, but at the same time, like, they were going to need a win regardless to get in the playoffs. They go from 20th to 26th in the standings. Now they got to keep their head above water and not dip below 30th, which I think is not going to be an issue. But, I mean, in a way, I feel like this kind of benefits – McDowell and the 34 team only because like now it's like you know you can go for broke and gamble and go all in so I I look at him as a guy you want to have in your lineups maybe for the next five races especially walking Flynn and Indy but I don't think it's that detrimental to this team going forward just because they needed a win to get in the playoffs but uh regardless big news from the uh the cup garage and as it turned out, Cole, this was a trend for basically every team in the garage, it feels like, this weekend. Petty GMS docked some points as well. So it's starting to look like, I don't know if it was something to do with Pocono specifically, but it's not often you see three different types of penalties doled out in one week. But with Petty, those Petty GMS cars being docked points as well, it's exactly what we saw this week. And again, something that I don't know if we're going to see ever again. No, I, I agree. And I, I think it, maybe it was just, just a, a sort of a thing where – it's, it's the middle of the season. The playoffs are inching closer. Teams are looking to get that a, a extra edge over anybody else. And the old saying is, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Cheating occurs across all sports. It's just a matter of getting caught or not. <laughs> and I, I think that teams are really trying to push the boundaries here and get the extra edge to, to make the playoff push. And we had an awesome finish in the Xfinity Series. Noah Gregson getting the win there. And Chandler Smith also winning in the Truck Series. Uh, so... It was cool to see the two of them. They got off to hot starts this year, and the two of them kind of tapered off a little bit. It was good to see them back in victory lane this week. Yeah, that battle between Gregson and Gibbs in the awesome. race was phenomenal, man. I, like, watching that in person, I was just, like, stunned. Because it was – that feels like it's going to be a classic race when mm -hmm. you get, you know, a few years down the road. But these two guys, Chandler Smith, Noah Gregson, I think they're definite championship-caliber drivers. I think Zane Smith's got to be the favorite going into this playoffs that are now underway for the truck series. But Chandler Smith, he's going to be very sneaky. I think it's going to be a Smith versus Smith battle in the truck series. And Chandler Smith's going to be a guy that's going to be around for a very, very long time. I don't know how it's going to affect his career should Kyle Busch switch to a different manufacturer in the cup series. But regardless, he is a great talent. I think he's only like 19 years old as well, something like that. So uh, he's he has a very bright future ahead of him. And Noah Gregson uh, still asserting himself as the championship favorite in the Xfinity Series. Well, now we turn the page to Indianapolis. It's going to be the Indy Road Course once again. Uh, was a little bit unimpressed by this race last year. So we'll see what happens this year at the next-gen car. But stay tuned on social media at the underscore money stop for the paint schemes of the week. Nickel or dime, give us your fives and tens on social media. Starting lineup, again, we'll say it every week. Very important to keep an eye on. Qualifying is Saturday, 1035 Eastern time. It will take place. And Cole, it is time that we take it to the bank. Again, last year was a little bit underwhelmed by this race. AJ Allmendinger won the first cup race for Colleague Racing, if you remember that. Ryan Blaney second, Kyle Larson third, Chase Elliott and Matt Benedetto rounded out the top five. Kyle Larson led the most laps with 28, followed narrowly by Denny Hamlin, who led 27 laps. Chase Elliott, our resident road course ringer, led 14 laps. Tyler Reddick won both stages, did not finish in the top 10. Kurt Busch was sixth, Eric Jones seventh, Justin Haley eighth, Austin Sindrick ninth, and Ryan Newman tenth. So 
lot of players who really, you look up and down the top 10, some guys in there that are not racing very well right now. And then you got some that are pretty hot, such as in the case of Chase Elliott. Um, Kurt Busch, obviously, is not going to race this week. But you look at Eric Jones coming off a top 10, and he placed top 10 here last year. So some interesting things to think about here. But uh, overall, what, what were your thoughts on that race last year? And what can we expect to see this season? It was a complete circus act. This was the race where there were 11 cars who failed to finish because the turn six curbing came up. And it was just a complete junkyard in that turn towards the end of this race. So I'm not taking a whole lot of stock into the results. Um, I will say, though, there are quite a few guys in that top 10 where they are going to be named on this Take It to the Bank segment because they are great road course racers and they've done very well this year. But overall, it was a mess of a race. I was not very entertained. I don't think a lot of people were. And to combat that turn six hiccup last year, they announced today, actually, they're going to have track limits uh, in this Indianapolis Road Forest race. So that's something to keep an eye on. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of hiccups from the drivers on that front because you got to take any advantage you can get. Getting your tires uh, on the curbing and all that's been, been something they've been doing for years. So I'm sure it's going to be a very, a very much trial and error type of day once again. But I think it'll be a lot more uh, smooth sailing compared to last year. Yeah, that was craziness. I, I hope we never see anything like that again. You should never see parts of the track coming up. And they've had a whole year to fix it, so I'm sure it'll be fine this year. Um, excited to see what it looks like. But let's jump into the odds. Pre-qualifying per DraftKings, Chase Elliott, plus 400. Deservedly so is your favorite this week. Kyle Larson, second, plus 650. Ross Chastain, plus 700 is third. Tyler Reddick at plus 1,000 is fourth. And Daniel Suarez, plus 1,200 is fifth. So you've got those two track house cars in the top five in odds. So Vegas is finally buying into the fact that they've run well at every road course event this year. But I think we got to start with Chase Elliott. He is one of three drivers with top tens in every road course race this season. We've already talked about the hot stretch he's on coming into this week. And a 4.6 average finish at the road courses this year, which is actually second best, not first. But he does have uh, 62 laps led, which is tied for the most of any driver. He's led laps in two of the three road course races this season. And he has laps led with a fourth place finish at Indianapolis on the road course. And again, like you mentioned before, Cole, he's on a Kyle Larson-esque run with the one-two finishes, one first or second finishes, including three wins, five starts in a row. And now he goes to a track that's in his wheelhouse. So it's hard to bet against Chase Elliott this week. Couldn't agree more. Another guy who I'm looking at is Ross Chastain. He's another one of those drivers with top tens in every road course race this season. He actually has the best average at road course of the season with a fourth place, even. 31 laps led are third most among active drivers at road course of this season. However, all those were at Coda, where he got his win as well. He finished top 10 at the Indy Road Course in 2020 for the Xfinity Series, and he had a six-race top 10 streak snapped at Pocono, which was the longest active streak this season in the Cup Series after Denny Hamlin got him pinched into the wall and he failed to finish the race. But I think Ross Chastain has been one of the best and most consistent drivers, clearly, on road courses this season. That's exemplified by his fourth-place average. And my only concern with him going into this race is obviously the fact that the Ross Chastain-Denny Hamlin beef is not over by any means. I still think Denny owes him a one or two, and road courses are never a, a fun place if you're in a heated rivalry. That would concern me. And for that reason, I personally would stay away from him. But, you know, in terms of the way he's performed, it's, it's hard – to bet against Ross Chastain as well. I think he's going to have a strong run, but Denny Hamlin's around and they're both contending for a high position. I would look out. Somewhat surprisingly, the third driver with top tens in all the road course races this year is Austin Sindrick. And it's somewhat surprising because he's a rookie. So 
It's not something you would expect to see out of someone that's gotten a top 10 at all three road course events. However, when I think of road courses, Austin Cindric's one of the guys I think of. He's run really well here in the Xfinity series and, of course, really well here during the Cup series and all these road courses. So it's a little surprising that he's a rookie and he's performed this well right off the bat. 6.7 average finish on the road courses this year. So he's even acclimating himself as a little bit of a road course ringer as one of the young guns in this series. Him and Chase Elliott, the only drivers, the top 10s in all three races this year and at Indy last year as well. Also has the Xfinity win at the Indy Road Course and valued at plus 1,200 to win this race, tied with Daniel Suarez. So that's pretty surprising uh, in terms of the odds. I think I thought he would have been a little bit lower valued than that, but it shows that Vegas is buying stock in a lot of guys like that, including Daniel Suarez. You can make the case that he's been the second best on road courses this year next to Chase. They're both tied with the most laps led at 62 at the road courses this year. Course picked up the big time win, first of his career on the road course and led laps with top 10s in two of the three road course races as a stage win this year. And of course, the four-race top 10 streak continues with a third-place finish at Pocono. So Daniel Suarez really feels like money in the bank. It doesn't feel like Daniel Suarez of the past where he gets hot and it kind of could be a volatile pick. Uh, it seems like they've really got things put together and just such a good fit with Trackhouse. It's not like something where they're expecting the piano to fall down on him. Uh, like it's Daniel Suarez, great runs in the past. I think that that's all behind him, and this team looks ready to potentially win its second race of the season this week. And they know they look at the schedule, and they they saw they won it the road course last time, and uh, how well they've run at them all year. They're circling this on the calendar, and they're going to be a contender come Sunday. I couldn't agree more. And I like you said about Daniel Suarez being a different driver. Speaking with him at the track at Pocono, he just seemed like much more composed and in a better state of mind. Just like that burden's been off his shoulders of not winning a race in the Cup Series. He seems very confident. I think that's a very scary thing for the field because if he can keep this up, it's not a four-race top-ten streak as it is. That's, that's really encouraging for that team at Trackhouse. Austin Sindrick as well. I am very intrigued by him because last year at the Indianapolis Road Course, he spun out at least twice. So he re still rebounded to finish top-10, and he is an esteemed road course racer. So I think those – both those drivers, Austin Sindrick and Daniel Suarez, are going to be great picks for DFS and race winners. Another guy who's actually been very good at road courses going back to last year is Tyler Reddick, and he scored his first win of the season on the last road course that we were at, Road America. He led laps, and he has top tens in two, three road course races this season. He also won both stages at Indy last year and finished runner-up last week at Pocono. So Tyler Reddick, he's been pretty hot lately, been good on the road courses. I think he's going to have a really good shot in a top five day, actually, at Indianapolis. And the only driver we failed to mention with top five odds pre-qualifying in practice on DraftKings is the reigning champ Kyle Larson at plus 650. He hasn't been himself this year on road courses, but he's definitely been knocking on the door of being the guy he once was in 2020. Finished third in the last road course race this season. Had a stage win as well with 26 laps led. Last year he led most laps at Indianapolis with 28 and finished third there. Probably had the best car of that race. Um, just got caught up in some messiness on some restarts, uh, bad pit stop. So I think, I think they're going to have a really strong day, actually, Indy. Maybe even a race-winning day. But they've looked really great over the last few weeks, even without Cliff Daniels. Three top fives the last five races. And as alluded to, Cliff Daniels is now back on the pit box. So I think Kyle Larson is going to have a really, really strong day at Indy. And that's the difference maker. You get Cliff Daniels back. And I really just, I know it hasn't been the year that, that the team wanted so far, but I have a very hard time believing that they're not going to be 
gearing and ready to go once the playoffs begin. And I think that they're going to they're gonna get on a roll before we get to the playoff uh, time. And I think it could very well could start this week, like you said. One guy who almost started his winning Cup Series career in his home state, which is Indy, Chase Briscoe. Remember, he was two laps away from winning his first Cup race at this track last year, which he grew up, you know, Indiana kid, grew up idolizing Tony Stewart. It was just a storybook ending, and he ended up uh, being forced off the course and, and could not win it. But hasn't scored higher than 13th in the last seven races, which kind of scares you away. But no top 10s on road courses this year. That also could scare you away. But has wet laps and has a stage win in two or three of the road course races. One at the Indy road course in Xfinity. So Chase Briscoe, a guy that, depending on how he is valued, I think he's definitely worth a look. I think that because he almost won that race, and he's a guy you think of when you go to Indy, he could be a little overvalued, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But also Ryan Blaney, silently putting together a really consistent 2022 road course campaign. Top 10s and laps led in two of the three races with a stage win. And he finished runner-up at the Indy Road Course last year. So I said every week, the win has got to be coming soon for Ryan Blaney. And maybe when you least expected it, such as a track like a road course where he is uh, silently putting together such a consistent season. I think those are both great picks. Uh, but one guy we have not mentioned yet is last year's winner, A.J. Allmendinger, who won the inaugural cup race on the Indianapolis Road Course. Only one top 10 and two laps led on road course this season in cup. However, he was also like a lap away from winning at Coda before Ross Chastain struck. So I think you can't really look at the results for Almendinger and Cup this year on the road courses. He's definitely been a top 10 car. And going to a place where he won last year, I think the confidence is going to be sky high. And he's going to be a great pick regardless. So I think any of these guys in the watch out for category are going to be great picks for DFS, maybe for the race win. But yeah, I think these, these guys all have a, a good shot at making you some money, especially in the DFS sense. Well, if you want to make money, you got to go with some value picks. And certainly included in that, Michael McDowell. I don't know how much of a value you could even consider him now at this point. But again, they know they have to win. And, and the penalties make it even more apparent. You mentioned that it might even help him out in terms of the, the fact that they can go for broken in trying to win some of these races. And this is a track that a road course that presents as good an opportunity as any before the playoffs begin for that 30-14 to put a win on the board. And he's been outstanding on road courses this year. He'll need a race-winning day to make the playoffs again. Penalty allows him to really go for broke. And the top 10s in two or three road course races, including third at Sonoma this year. So McDowell, a guy that he's been money at the bank at these road courses. There's no way around it whatsoever. Also, Chris Busher put together a stellar road course campaign in 2022. He's also got top 10s in two or three races, including the runner-up finish at Sonoma. I think there's no way you can't include one or both those guys in your lineups for DFS. And I was looking at the top 10 odds for Michael McDowell. Once again, plus 100. So you got to hammer that all day. That one's been hitting quite often this yep. year. That's free money. Road courses or not, that's hitting. Some more guys to look out for. Kevin Harvick, another driver in need of a win to make the playoffs, it's looking like. He has top 10s in two of the road courses races this season as well. And he's looked really good. He was in line for another top five day until the Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain incident happened at Pocono. Uh, I think he's in line for a solid top 10 day as well at Indy. Also, Eric Jones had a really, really strong day at Pocono and been very fast as of late. He finished top 10 at Coda earlier this year and seventh at Indy last year. So he's a guy that's looked pretty good on the road courses, and he's had speed as of late in the Cup Series. Another driver hit with the penalties, who was in need of a win. And I think news will be coming out shortly that Eric Jones is going to be extended at, at GMS Petty. And I think having that sense of security is going to also 
give him a shot in the arm, some more confidence going forward. Absolutely. And one guy that's also driving with confidence in that he finished in the top 10 in Indy last year, Justin Haley, 15th and 12th also this year in two of the three road course races, stage points in all three road course races this year. So Haley, a guy to look at because, again, finished in the top 10 here last year. However, again, I don't know how much stock you really want to take into that with all of the uh, mayhem and, and dilemmas that were happening at the end of that race with uh, the turn six malfunction. So something to keep an eye on, though. Harrison Burton also now the only driver in the field with stage points earned in all six possible road courses in 2022. That is a great trivia question that I don't think anybody would get the answer to, but could be a very good, solid guy that's going to rack up some points for you. Two guys that maybe I would sit, consider for the back end of your DFS lineup. I'm not going to put them as you know winner picks or anything like that, but certainly guys that have put up some solid results from time to time. No, without a doubt. I think those are two guys that could make you a lot of money, but they could also lose you a lot of money. It's just how much you want to risk. Some other guys that are running double duty this weekend to consider, we mentioned A.J. Allmendinger, Chase Briscoe, Ross Chastain, but also Ty Dillon, Alex Bowman, Bubba Wallace, and Ty Gibbs. One thing I want to say on Alex Bowman, he ran double duty at Coda, <laughs> and that was where he finished runner-up at Coda in the Cup Series. So he could be a sneaky guy for a top 10 day, maybe even a top five day of those drivers. I do want to say, stay away from JGR this weekend. They were very adamant in their press conference uh, post-race that they have not been on it in the uh, Cup Series program for road courses. So I think the pressure is on for Joe Gibbs Racing to perform, just given how they have done on the road courses this year, and especially after that points penalty hit. So we'll see how they they tackle Indy. but. If you want to go with anybody, I'd probably be more inclined to go with someone like Christopher Bell, who's been very, very consistent as of late. He's had the speed all season, and he's also a really good road course racer. So if you want to go with anybody, I'd go with him. There's I'd just better options. You know, you look at the odds, yeah. and you see Hendrick, you see Trackhouse, you see even the Penske cars, I feel like are better options. There's, you know, there's comparable drivers at comparable prices that, that are going to be better for you. But without further ado, Cole, let's take it to the bank. Get to our picks. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I went first last week. So you are going to go first this week, Cole. Okay. This is the first. I have not picked first in the road course this season yet. I mean, there's so many options here. I think the easy pick is Chase Elliott, but I don't know. I, I really feel strongly about Kyle Larson this weekend. I just think having Cliff Daniels back is going to give that team a really good jolt. I think that they are feeling the pressure of only having one win this season. I think they're not happy with the road course program either. And just looking at their stats from last year at this track, most laps led, top five finish. I, I got to give Larson the edge, and I think he gets, comes away with the second win of the season. For my sleeper, it's got to be Michael McDowell. I think I'd be foolish not to pick him, mm-hmm. given his his status here on these road courses and the penalty. I think he's going to really come out swinging, and I think he could honestly go out there and score another top five finish, maybe even the win. Well, I'm going to go with a guy in the top five in odds. I'm going to pick Tyler Reddick. I just love the way that he's been – uh, kind of coming on the last couple of weeks, coming off the official runner-up finish at Pocono, got his first career win at the road course his last time there. I think that he's going to be racing with some confidence, knowing that that this team won there the last time they were at a road course. Uh, and I like Tyler Reddick to win this week's race and, and get on a roll heading into the playoffs. Far as the sleeper goes, I'm going to go with Alex Bowman because I, I you mentioned it before, Cole, how he ran the truck race at the road course earlier this year. Uh, and he's doing the same again this uh, this week in, at Indy, trying to get some extra reps. I think that's going to make all the difference in the world for Alex Bowman. And I, I think that I could see him finishing in the top 10 
plus 400 to get a top five. Uh, I don't, I think I might stay away from that, but as far as top tens go plus 100 could be worth a gamble. Give me your big, big money picks though, Cole, before we sign off. Oh, well, I mentioned Michael McDowell plus 100 for a top 10. I also really like both uh, Daniel Suarez and Austin Sindrick at plus 160 for a top five finish. I think those are both pretty much locks. Those are great, and, and I'm excited to see how this week's race plays out. It is at the Indianapolis Road Course, and I, I think at, at the very best, Cole, the best thing you could say is it will be a better race than what we saw last year, I think, irregardless of what happened. So it's going to be a fun one, 2.30. It's going to be on NBC this time, this upcoming Sunday, 200 miles, 82 laps. It's going to be a very fun one, and I'm excited to see how it plays out this time. And for Cole, I'm Steven. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Take it to the bank. Those are our picks this week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on the most important stop of the day, the money stop.